We had such a bad technology. We have the shitty Super 8, then we have the bad video, and then we had the great ideas in those days. And then later on, the people have a great equipment. The iPhone camera is better than what we had in the 70s. And they, they made shitty works and no content. So now we have to really wait. doesn't matter how it looks like. The idea is important to me. What that idea have to say, what the message we can have, what we can learn from it. Hey everyone, Kevin Rose here. Welcome to another episode of Proof. Today's interview was a very special one. I sat down with the legendary performance artist Marina Abramovic and artist slash activist Nadia from Pussy Riot and Unicorn Dow. Now we've had Nadia on the show before, but let me introduce Marina, one of the most well-known performance artists of our time, also known as the quote, grandmother of performance art. Her work explores body art, endurance art, feminist art, the relationship between the performer and the audience, the limits of the body, and the possibilities of the mind. We cover many topics today, going back to some of her original performance art in the 1970s, but very relevant to this audience, we cover Marina's first NFT drop that is coming out very soon on the Tezos blockchain. And just a quick shout out to Nadia. Thank you so much for this introduction. I had a wonderful time. Let's chat with them. So Marina and Nadia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we kind of trust you. Let's see if you're right. Oh, it is. Well, I will say it is my honor to have you both on. And and Marina, uh, I I first became aware of your work actually in 2010. Oddly enough, I was in New York at the time and I went to the MoMA and I saw you perform there. So uh, quite a quite a while ago, but uh, that was a very important uh, day for me because that's when I first had started reading up about, um, you know, who you are as an artist. So Thank you for putting on that show so long ago. That was uh, was a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, going to MoMA is one thing, but did you really sit with me? I did not sit with you. I did not wait in the line to sit with you, but (laughs) there was quite the the showing of people that were there. So you not only you didn't sit, but you didn't sleep in the front of the museum either. No, no, I was just a (laughs) random passerby. I... I, I got, I was lucky enough to get in though, because there was, there was quite a, a few people around you and, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fantastic show though. It was, uh, I'm, I'm really bummed. I didn't get a chance to sit with you, but I, I would love to, for those that are listening to this podcast and they, they're not familiar with your work, would you mind spending just a few minutes and kind of bringing people up to speed and giving us a little bit on your background and your journey as an artist? Wow. How many minutes I have for that? As much as you like. The floor no, is no, yours. No, 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 no. I try to do the short version. The short version is that I was born in 1946 after the, after the, the Second World War from their mother and father who had been both partisans and both national heroes from Second World War. And uh, my mother dreamed that is giving the birth to the huge snake, which was me. She had a party meeting and from Walter you know, broke down, but she didn't want to stop before party meeting was finished because she's very heroic. And when she went to deliver me, I was premature. I have to go to the incubator for like four months. And uh, and she gave me to her, to, to, to her mother, which is my grandmother. So I stayed with my grandmother till I was six. And uh, I only saw mother and father sometimes 
like a strange people coming to see me and give me some ugly toys, which I didn't like because I didn't like to play with the puppets or anything. I like to play with the shadows and I like to play with imaginary beings, you know, this kind of stuff. And then I was brought to my house when I was six. And then I have a very turbulent childhood with lots of control. My mother will wake me in the middle of the night if I sleep not in order to make my bed straight. So now when I sleep in the hotels, I just open the bed and people don't think I'm even there. So I'm very disciplinated, lots of kind of work habits. And uh, I start painting. I uh, paint and had my first show when I was 14. I was jealous of Mozart because he started seven and I think my life was already wasted. And, um, and then I finished Art Academy and uh, I didn't like to paint anymore. I like to experiment. I start with sound installations. Well, the first sound work was to put the sound on the bridge with the, with the actually sound, the bridge exploding. So that you walk in the bridge visually exist, but with the sounds don't. I have to ask a city mayor for the permission. They called my mother and father to say I'm crazy because the bridge can really fall down from vibrations. So it didn't work. And then wow. I started walling my body and, and I started really understanding that I don't want to go to studio anymore. I don't want to paint something two dimensional when I can use fire, water, earth, body and everything else. And uh, I felt like a first woman walking on the moon doing performances. And it was early seventies. And in the early seventies, everybody think I was crazy. They put me in mental hospital. The criticism so bad, I will never leave the street, the house. But I didn't care. I just was doing my own work. And many times, both parents was criticized on party meetings that this is impossible education I got because you know I was burning five point communist star on the square and being naked most of the time. Everything was not possible in those days. But that gave me lots of strengths. And then I left, I escaped home when I was 29. And my mother asked the police, you know, to look for me. And then the police said, but, you know, Kamarad Abramovich, you know, how old you, your daughter is? And she said, 29. And she said, Kamarad Abramovich, we have much better things to do. Just go home. And I ended in Amsterdam. And since then, I now, last 50 years, I do performance work, which is was in my body and working with the immaterial form of art. That was, Okay, short version. No, that was fantastic. I, I, I want to <laughs> jump into, I would love to give one example. Um, you know, the R Rhythm 10, 1973, it is uh, written that this was your first performance uh, in Edinburgh um, that involved um, 20 knives. Do you, could you walk me through that one? Oh, this was a very simple piece. <laughs> I had 10 knives, big kitchen sharp knives. I had a two tape recorder and uh, I played this Russian game, you know, the stop the knives between the fingers, yes. which we do when we drink vodka in, in Slavic countries. And I put one tape recorder on and I take first knife and I do as fast as possible. And every time I will cut myself, I will change the knife. So 10 cuts, 10 knives change. And I record the sound. Then I replay the sound of the first tape recorder and I put on the second tape recorder and I repeat the entire action one more time, trying to concentrate, to cut myself in the same place from the first time. You know, and uh, I only missed twice and I done exactly that. And the second time I left tape recorder playing double sound 
and, you know, a little bit blood everywhere, knives, and leave. And the idea of this piece was how we could put time past and time present with the mistake together. Well, how did you come up with this idea? I hate studios. I never work in studios. I get ideas from life. I just go and do life. And the ideas can come in bus station, cutting garlic in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the plane. And most of the ideas come in the dream. Marina, I'd love to chat about how you and Nadia first connected. Actually, but first, if we could chat about Rhythm Zero, that was just an insane work of performance art. And I would guess one of your most vulnerable. Can you give us a little details on that? You know, I was so angry at the time and I was 23 and I was angry on the, uh, you know, on the public, on the reception of performance art with completely misunderstanding how this art is actually so important and so direct and so, you know, about here and now. And, uh, and people calling us masochist, sadists and so on. So I was thinking, what if I make very simple performance where I'm absolutely doing nothing, I'm dressed in just a black t-shirt and black jeans. And I have 72 objects in the front of the table for pleasure and for the, and for, you know, and for pain and have simple instruction. I'm an object, six hours. You can take any object on the table and use on me, including one pistol with one bullet and, uh, and kill me if you want. And I take all responsibility and see what public can do if you give them entire freedom. And this was frightening experience. I mean, for me, because on the end of this piece, I knew the public can actually kill you. And I'm thinking how this piece will look like now, today in America. That would be a very different outcome. But the thing was in Italy. And the people of the project, in the beginning, the, the six hours was very important time frame. Because the first few hours, people give me the flower. You know, they will kiss me. They will do this or that. Women will not do anything. They will always actually tell the men what to do. And they would take tears off my eyes, something like that. But the, the actually, as it progressed the evening, they become more and more violent. The rose, they would take me, give me, me rose, and they would take the torso of the rose stuck into my body. They would cut my clothes, get me naked. They would cut my throat and drink my blood and so on and so on. I, including the, somebody came with a pistol. Somebody took pistol away from his head. It was getting very wild. And uh, the projection in Italians done on me, it was three prototypes, Madonna, mother, and, and prostitute, three things. And the only time that I was not raped because they came, you know, for the normal opening with the wives. But then on the end, you know, after six hours, I was looking like hell, you know, naked, bleeding, whatever. And the, the galleries came and said to me, now it's six hours past. It was two in the morning. And I start moving because I was like a puppet. Whatever you do, I obey. And then I start moving towards the public. And public, like the wake up of some kind of nightmare dream, they start running away from me and run out. And uh, I remember going back to the hotel, looking myself in the mirror and having a piece of gray hair. And I knew that moment the public can kill you. And this is very important, actually, learning lesson because I give possibility to public to, to also load the spirit and give them every possibility to live the spirit and load the spirit. But then 25 years later, when I made Artists' Prison, I restrict everything to the public. I, they can only sit on the chair. They can touch me. They can't talk to me. They can't do anything except have the eye gaze. That was it. 
but eyes are like, you know, the, the, the door of the soul. And they could do only that. And then actually I learned how to live the spirit. And this, it took me 25 years to learn this lesson. I think it's important for people to understand why we do things that we do. And Kevin, coming back to your question, how, how did we get connected? I feel like we just understand each other on this performance art level. And we both seen so many people just looking down at us as some crazy people. And like a lot of people like literally want to institu institutionalize me or put me in jail. That's, that's what was done to me. But um, in, in reality, when um, I feel we share it, like we, when we think about our performance art, we, um, we're pretty serious about it and we pick the idea and we think about this idea for weeks and sometimes months and sometimes we sit an idea for years and then after that we decide the idea is good enough to be executed and then on the outside it might look like a total fucking nut house but in fact like for us this is just like this is um and uh to me honestly the write an article might be a more crazy thing than to make a performance because I personally think that performance art has bigger impact and can analyze culture and deconstruct culture um, better than an article. And in that sense, making a performance art is more sane act than to just write an article. But you know, if I, in the visually, in my mind, I put some kind of pyramid of art. For me, at the top of the pyramid has always been music. The second is performance and then everything else. But the first is music because with the sound, sound is the most immaterial of all. A sound reaches everything and everybody and it goes straight to emotional impact on something. And which I like about you, that you have a courage, dedication, and you're not afraid of anything. And this is something that I absolutely, absolutely adore, my dear. <laughs> Because, because there's not many people like this. And when I were talking about this whole idea of the new heroism, you know, you are really one of my heroes and be for, for, forever. Because, you know, you started so young. I mean, the first time, how you, old you was when you went to jail? I started to get arrested when I was 18. I turned 18, but I would get arrested for a day, for two. And then I was arrested for two years when I was... 21. That's really, really young. That was really incredible. And, you know, the, and, and you don't give up. You know, the, something about two of us, we never give up. I can't give up. I have to just continue. The question of giving up is not the question. Kevin, what do you think about two of us? You're, you're inspirational. I mean, I, I think that there is, I think that you're right. Uh, I, I agree with Nadia's comment on, you know, the written word, um, especially these days with people bouncing around so quick and not even re fully reading an article because their attention spans are so short. Uh, the fact that you all, you know, are, are using this form of art to um, relay a message or have a deeper impact in people's lives, it's much more tangible. It's much more real. So to me, uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I've the, I'm watching both of you and what you've done in, throughout your careers, it's been, it's, uh, it's inspirational. What do you think our role should be in Web3. And by saying that, obviously, like you're not going to prescribe it to us, but it's going to be interesting to hear your perspectives. 
the the beauty of of web3 in my mind is that we have yet another new medium in which um we can collaborate and bring together ideas hopefully in a way that's never been done before and there is a chance to have a little bit of a reset in some of our thinking and um you know change and shift the the power um back to the artists which i think is a, a very um important piece of this movement is that you finally for the first for the first time it feels that i mean don't get me wrong there's always been well art tends to the 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 value accrual of art has always gone to um the collectors and largely after the artists have passed away right so this idea of of technology enabling artists to actually um not only make a living but fund and fuel other artists and power the arts in a in a new way is very very exciting so um you know this idea that we all can can actually um use these revenues to then spin up and power up even greater and greater expression is 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 why i get so excited about the space and so um to see you all entering it um and it's 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 really really pretty cool you know there is a, the there is this saying you know the good critic is life critic and good artist is dead artist <laughs> have to die in order that something right. will happen and you know there's another incredible thing especially in america 85% of collectors are also the patrons of the museum so they totally control what they're buying what they're collecting and what's going on so that their artists have such a little control about anything yeah it's it's great to see that shifting it's incredibly interesting to me to see in this um artwork that you're about to auction that you're about to drop um on Tezos on July 25th um I can't wait it's really interesting for me to see how you work with um performance art and how you work with something that is immaterial and how you mint it on blockchain and it seems to me really innovative and amazing that you can mint one um just one shot of um the video or you can mint um as many as you want and then they're going to turn into a gif because um as a performance artist myself i've been thinking a lot about the um relationships between the art market and the fact that as artists we are living and breathing beings and we have our own needs in our lives and like uh, funds to create more art um and then i was always thinking a lot obviously uh, about relationships between performance art and how immaterial it is and our uh, collectors who obviously for the most part want to buy something physical that they can put in their house so i think web3 and possibility of minting performances on on blockchain unlocks something interesting for performance artists because it's still in blockchain is still immaterial you know you you're not producing actually goods you know you don't need nail to hang the painting who can match your carpet in the living room you're not doing that you're actually going for ideas and to me it's so interesting connection between 70s and now with the, and the same problems with the the people having now i mean they they're ridiculous art scene don't accept them and the art galleries don't want to deal with that so the same happening what happened to me in the 70s and I, and i think that we need to really give time that will be the part of the of the you know mainstream art 
but we need time for that. Right now it's too early. I remember, you know, to me, the, just the, the, the story of the of video. I remember video was like never been part of any kind of mainstream art. It was kind of not even any kind of art till Namjoon Pike arrived, the, which was a great artist who actually filmed the Buddha, putting the, into the into the video, into the into the monitor, and have a real Buddha facing that Buddha. And this was like, wow, what is this happening? Now we are making art, and everything changed. And the young kids, which is incredible for me, how the kids who are doing this blockchains, how young they are. We're talking eight years old. We're talking 12 years old, 14, 15. This is the future. These kids are brought, brought, brought up with technology. It's not new with them. You know, for me, I mean, the computer was invention. I was writing letters and bringing it to the post office with a stamp. And now these kids are, have all this technology as, a, as a, just a kind of normal thing for them. So they can think much more in advance and they can find a solution who can really change this world. And I really believe in them. I don't believe in my generation. My generation fucked it up so badly already. I think Web3 provides like so, such a big um, opportunity for performance art and for conceptual artists as well. So I'm also, I refer to myself as a conceptual artist and I feel like this space values idea much more than craft necessarily and i would always personally struggle with the importance of craft because i'll try to explain people i can use any medium i want for i think that we will be good for this idea and I, I feel like sometimes things that do well in web3 they execute it in a really ugly way but they have great idea and people love it because yeah. of the idea i just want to say against 70s we had such a bad technology. We have the shitty Super 8. Then we have the bad video, you know, and, and then we had the great ideas in those days. And then later on, the people have a great equipment. Every, 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 you know, the iPhone camera is better than what we had in the 70s. And they, they made shitty works and no content. So now we have to really wait. Doesn't, you know, matter the, 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 the how it look like. The idea is important to me what that idea have to say, what the message we can have, what we can learn from it. The question I, I have for both of you as, as performance artists, I'm curious, how do you in your head come to terms with the difference between it's someone experiencing your artwork live and the impact that that has and the, 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 the kind of gravity that that type of, you know, in real life experience brings versus a recording of it that eventually goes on the blockchain that, you know, do you believe that it loses some of that when it goes to its, its a digital format and then goes out uh, on the blockchain? I'm a big fan of recording. Um, I, I started as a performance artist in 2007. And from the very beginning, well, I, I started I started when I was 15 years old, but it was just like my, my own stupid little kid art practices, but I was already documenting stuff. I was already asking my friend to document that. I think the condition is incredibly important and because you can connect with just in like a few a few people uh, in the room. Um, and I don't think it's like there is a right or wrong answer. It's just the way we approach this medium. And for me personally, recording was um, a very important part of the process. And sometimes uh, we would perform in such dangerous locations where you cannot actually bring equipment. So, for example, we would stage a concert. We've never been a punk band, so it's like the biggest misunderstanding about Pussy Riot that we are a punk band. We 
a conceptual performance artist who pretended to be a punk band for a second. So um, sometimes we would not be able even to bring um, bring equipment to um, play music. Let's say when we played on the Red Square, we did bring the equipment, but it was arrested immediately. So we didn't actually have the music when we were playing our show in the Red Square. And so we put it later um, on the recording. And I think that video that um, ended up, um, we ended up producing has more volume and it's like the most finished artwork. Um, mm. So so to me, the recording is important. You know, my, my view that both works and they're complementary to each other because it's really important that you actually spread ideas as much as possible and wide mm. as possible to the internationally everywhere from the New Guinea to the, I don't know, Iceland. And then, you know, whoever is, when you're live, after people really like what you're doing, they will make effort to come to see you live when you can. Um, I'd love to talk about the project that you're currently um, releasing, Marina, because this is your first, what they call the Genesis NFT, which is your very first drop um, which is super exciting because the collectors get uh, obviously really um, pretty pumped up and excited about first drops. Uh, it is called the Hero 25 FPS, which of course stands for frames per second. Um, can we speak about what exactly this image is and, and how it works? And then you both are collaborating on this as well, so I'd love to hear about how that uh, collaboration is happening. The Joseph is the one who actually approached me to do really this something with the, with the, on, the, on the big screens. And then I was thinking what I can do there, what I can have as kind of global message, something about the peace, something about the beauty, something about the, the optimism that maybe, yes, everything is fucked up, but maybe we have a chance in this planet. And I look to my old material and I believe that work of art can have many lives and can actually reflect different, the, in different times, different messages. And there came this idea of the, of the white horse that I actually made 2001, when my father died, and my father was national hero from Second World War, and and that image something somehow talked to me, and about this new idea of heroes, new morality, new new wisdom, new new you know the the the, the, the beings who can really you know give us example of, of something different, and uh, and you know I when I in the second in the Balkan War, uh, when I was asked to make the piece about Balkan war, but I was so ashamed about my own country, the killing, the violence and everything. It took me more than two years to to get something that can be not just message about that war, but universal message. I'm interested in universal message that they can, you know, speak for the, any war, any time, is Iran, is Afghanistan, is Syria, is Ukraine now, all the, all the coming war, because humans never learned the lesson. They continue killing and they continue to go from one war to another. And but what about peace? What about tranquility? What about wind and 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 the mountains and the country and and the white horse and the white flag who give this kind of feeling of peace and that we create something that way? You know, I was very inspired by the idea of the Matisse in the Second World War when all the artists, like from Picasso, Paine, Guernica, and everybody else, was always doing the chorus. And reflecting the horror of the of the war, Matisse for four years was painting just the flowers. This was his response, you know. And and I I understand the really deep meaning of that because we we need the beauty and we need the hope and we need some kind of optimism. And this is why I think that these horse have a chance. Well, when we're talking about the actual what you're releasing and what you're putting up for sale, 
you're taking each individual frame and turning it to its own NFT. So there are possible 6,500 total frames that are available uh, that will be collectibles. But at the same time, as someone that's interested in purchasing one of these, you can say, okay, I can get a still frame or I can opt to actually purchase multiple frames, in which case it will turn into an animated GIF that I will then have and can collect. So if you buy multiple frames, um, I've heard that it's what probably five or so frames to make a, a proper looping GIF, uh, then, but that also eats away at some of the total allocation, right? So if a lot of people buy these animated ones, there'll be less than, obviously less than 6,500 total NFTs um, because people will be purchasing multiple frames all in one go. Uh, it's a pretty interesting and novel mechanic. I've never heard of anything that's done like this before, um, which is kind of exciting. It's like, in one sense, do people, if, if people are more greedy and they want more animated frames, they can buy larger chunks of time, but that means there's less available NFTs for everyone, right? That's true. But I really, you know, I discussed this with the Joseph and we came to this solution because as I said, I'm so new in this and I'm really, I also have the black and white footage, but I also have the color footage, which very close up that only the face that the flag, which I never released and never actually was the part of 2001 work. So that's also part that, that you can separately buy. But basically you buy movement if you want or you buy stills. And this is something we can't, we have to see what will happen. I'm totally new territory for me. And I will very, a very interesting outcome. But I also know that this will also serve good cause. Yeah, Nadi, do you want to talk about the use of proceeds and how, how you, what you're going to, your involvement in all this? And when these, when the revenue starts coming in, um, how exactly does that spread out to, 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 to other people? Uh, so the portion of, um, the person of the drop is going to be going to Heroes uh, project. And um, me and Marina are going to pick artists. Um, you can submit your project at uh, nft.circa.art. And uh, at some point, me and Marina will just go through it and decide um, who are going to be the recipients of the grant. I think it's incredibly exciting. There's no gender limit that we have a really possibility. Somebody eight years old who become a genius. I mean, honestly, could, who knows? I, I will be so excited to see because the, the your young minds are fresh minds and we have to trust them. And I think we are going to be uh, giving priority to artists who, ta um, who try to change the world for, for the best uh, because... Um, Marina wrote in her articles and manifestos and press that you've been doing recently that you've been inspired mostly by um, artists who don't do something just for the sake of self-expression, but also to change the world for the better. Yeah, it's really important. You know, you can't be selfish. You, you know, there's something that both of us very very strongly have in common. You know, the, I mean, communism have bad parts, but also have good parts. We, what we do in communism, we believe in cause and, you know, and the purpose. Exactly. If we don't believe in the kind of, you know, the, the our pretty us and, and benefit of our being, the whole idea is to give everything for the higher purpose than, than our private life. And this is really something that I've been living with this all my life. And I'm not interested in, in you know, in the, 
little quote. I need to think big question, big picture, always big picture. It's incredibly interesting topic. Uh, I've been bringing it up a lot in my conversations recently, and I came to the same exact <laughs> thought that it's something that um, my my Soviet past. I mean, I was born in '89, so I didn't see exactly how it was evolving. But obviously, I'm, you know, I, I Russia is still post-Soviet country, so we have a lot of that in our culture, and I refer to myself. Um, often not even as an artist, but as a cultural worker, because I believe that my job is to analyze, um, make things better, try to help other people to live better lives. And my role here is utilitarian in a way that I'm not an art for the sake of just blind self-expression. And I care about my emotions only when they Carry, help carrying other people help like in, in, into something greater and bigger so that's why I personally have a lot of problems with just you know like all this talk about like you know classical romantic artists being just like I just had this feeling and I needed to express it but did you think about do you need to express it who benefits from you expressing it You know, you know those are the funny aspects of the communism you had in 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 a ex Yugoslavia press, like a title, you know, like the our iron factory explode and five 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 thousand people die, but we will not stop our production and we will be on time and we will deliver what we promise. I mean, <laughs> and then another joke about that. You say, what will happen if communism arrive in Sahara desert? You say, first five years nothing. And then we will run out of sand. That's a joke. Exactly. This is this is my approach to art. <laughs> I love I love communist jokes. I mean, I brought up so, all this. Oh, the absolutely so metaphor. <laughs> you know, like we run out of sand because everything is 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 insane. You know, it's not straight line of thinking, and it's full of contradictions. But there is also some beauty in all this. I personally would prioritize women and non-binary people and LGBTQ plus folks, just because this is my lens in the space. And um, I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to be curious to hear your Kevin's thoughts on diversity, because I know in your um, Moonbirds community, um, you're trying to think proactively about diversity and you recognize that it is the problem in Web3. Anytime you start off with something that is... Um, created by and guarded by largely white men, which, you know, uh, I would say technologists in general are, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a technology that, um, you know, attracts that, that type of, of, of person. And we, we had a meetup in New York, um, recently, you know, for the FTNYC event. And I looked out on the audience and it was largely a sea of white men. And so, Um, this is an opportunity to, um, f for us to, well, I would, let me take a step back. I will say that in my experience, I've been very lucky to work in several organizations where they put a real big emphasis on diversity and inclusion. And those organizations not only have better ideas, but they're just, um, Uh, because you are the product of the sum of, of the parts of the organization. And when you have more diversity and outside thinking and cultural diversity, 
the product is just a better product. And so um, that is something that when I think about how we show up as a community and or as an organization and a, as a supportive structure, which is what we're trying to do with NFTs, um, we need to encourage this because it is going to create a, just a, a better atmosphere and one that um, is is hopefully going to benefit you know more than just rich white men, right? So um, we can we can do better, and and the only way to do better is to um, to to take action, but also to, to we'll start by talking about it and then, you know, watching where your, your feet actually move and making sure they're actually moving in that right direction. It's not just talk. It's actually, um, um, you know, we were, we haven't announced this yet, but I, I know you're hinting at it a little bit, not yet. in that, uh, I'm hinting, is it a right time to announce? Uh, yeah, I think we are going to announce it by the time this is out. So we'll have given 400 of our NFTs, um, that, uh, on paper, um, at least today are worth several thousand dollars, uh, four or five More thousand dollars. More than $3,000. Uh, like yeah. Three, per, per NFT. Three, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah so like it's like, it's $4,000. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll give them, giving away 400 of those, um, to, uh, organizations like Unicorn Dow and other organizations that are uh, representing, um, these groups that frankly, we don't have the connections to. And so we realized like, who am I to go out and try and, you know, pick people like, let's give them to the organizations that are, that are doing this good work and, and help them and deputize them to go out and nominate people that should receive these so that we can create a more inclusive, um, a supportive structure. So that's, that's what we set out to do. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So Marina, what's, what's happening here is, uh, Kevin and Moonbirds are giving us, um, as unicorn 50, oddities and um each oddity is uh is an artwork that as of now costs around four or five thousand dollars and we're going to be picking by hand people who we think are good recipients of those oddities and then they can decide if they want to keep it they want to sell it i mean obviously we are going to be encouraging them to keep it because we want to have them uh, as a part of moonbirds community but they can opt and to sell it as well and just get the money um, and I would love to give it to people who showed up, um, for, for example, we've made this, um, action in X, um, Texas state capital. It was before the Supreme court decision, but it was done in a moment when we already knew that it's coming. And we collaborated with this, um, collective of, uh, indigenous feminists, it's called IKEA collective, and they're so brave and so professional as activists and so organized and obviously they didn't ask anything back for for the for their participation in this performance um we showed up with a big banner it was 45 feet tall banner matriarchy now and um they could be arrested you know they we didn't offer them anything besides let's get arrested together and i want those people to win and i want those people to be part of web3 community this is very noble thing to do, absolutely. But you know, you're, I really love your engagement. I like how you think and I like how you use this platform. But I would never forget my memory. The first time I met you, when you came to New York for the first time in your life, and, uh, and you know, you was very few days here. And then uh, I was thinking, what are you going to see? What are you going to do in New York in these few days? You know, going to whatever museums, seeing the, the, the city. 
and you was just going and looking the prisons and and looking yes, how I went to Rikers. It was incredible. The, I mean, you know, you you're so young, never been in America, and you come here, and all what you've been spending your time in the prison. They say so much about you, so much of your dedication and engagement. Really, you impress me every time. And about this, just now you told me. Thank you, Marina. Fantastic. Well, I don't want to take up too much of, of both of your time because I know it's, it's, it is valuable. Um, I, I want to tell people a, about this drop and then, you know, I actually ask uh, Marina, I, I'm just curious after this one is done, which this one's going to be happening on uh, July 25th, um, are, do you think you'll do more in the world of NFTs or will this be just kind of one and done or what, too early to tell? No, first, I, as I say, I'm a virgin in this media. First, let's see how this goes. And my second thing is to go and learn from from the our pussy rights to learn absolutely uh, about technology and uh, and to meet these people. I want to meet them personally and to know who these guys are. I want to know what they're up to. I wanted to. I really need personal meetings, Zoom, on every other form. I I wanted to get involved in this community much deeper. It's not as a, as a viewer. As a, as to interact, that's important. And I can see what I can do. You know, one thing that I like uh, uh, about my age, I have lots of experience and I can share this, but the young people can give me sense of spirit of time we live in. So it's a kind of fair exchange and we have to do this exchange. That's important. We've been talking with Marina about potentially coming, doing something in Marfa. Oh, that'd um, be fantastic. Our blocks, yeah at um, Derek's gallery, um, maybe something during Art Basel. And I know that Marina mentioned she also had, has this shot, um, just an individual photograph. And uh, we were talking about maybe later auctioning it off as one of one. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'll be at both of those events. So I hope to, to run into Marina and uh... Uh, Nadia, I see you every few weeks anyway, so I'm excited to see you and collaborate more with you in the future. Nice to talk to all of you. And Nadia, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. I love you so much, Marina. All right, that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.